everyone, welcome back. I'm your co-host, Jackie Spinell. And I'm Hannah Meira Plotkin. Let's dive right in. Welcome back to Dive Right In, everyone. Yay. It's good to see you, Jackie. I feel like we haven't recorded in such a long time, but it feels good to be, um, you know, figuratively back up in the studio. Yep. I am very excited. I feel like it's been, I think it's been like a month, which doesn't feel good. I re- I like having that routine. It makes me happy to record and see your face. Um, okay, so we did want to just like spend some time um, before we get into the bulk of the episode, the beyond meat of the episode, um, and just talk a little bit about where we've been for the past month, what's been going on, how we're doing, how we're feeling, um, junior year crunch time. Um, so, okay, so I'll start. So, um, lacrosse has been a big thing in my life recently. Um, that has really been taking up my time after school, but also it has made me so happy. Um, and I, I'm such a, like, I love playing sports at school, um, whether or not we're like a good team or not. It's just fun. I love the camaraderie. Um, and other than that, um, nothing (laughs) what else have I been doing um and yeah how about you lacrosse sounds very fun I have to say I have not been running many miles after school every day um I have definitely had a lot of USY work we are gearing up for our last convention of the year um it's very bittersweet but um I leave tomorrow and I'm very excited and we also, Jackie and I just had a little in-person dive right in reunion and it was best weekend of my life. I got to see, yes, I got to see Jackie. I got to meet Max for the first time, Jackie's dog. Um, and I finally got to, I finally got to see where Jackie records her end of the podcast from. Yeah. So that was very surreal, very cool. Um, and I had a really great time. I had such a fun time. I I got to try Hannah's falafel dinner, um, which was really good and memorable. Um, And it was just, it was so fun. And um, this is why you all should follow the podcast Instagram because we were were sharing some of our journey and experience together um, through the Instagram. And a lot of people swiped up um, because we were making some funny jokes too. Um, but I think it's very, I encourage you all to follow the podcast, Instagram, Dive in Podcast, um, because it's so fun and casual. And even if we're not recording, our lives go on and events like us seeing each other for the first time in a few months will be recorded there. It's definitely fun to sort of like vlog our life a little bit. It felt a little bit like an influencer. Um, But speaking of influencing and influencers, this kind of brings us to today's um, topic and our intentions for the episode. So I'm still sort of grappling with the word elitism, but the idea of the podcast is, of this week's episode, is to sort of debunk where we see different types of privilege in society. Um, We're going to focus on three main sectors today, academic elitism, um, elitism in politics, and elitism in healthcare. And the goal is to sort of, we're sort of using the word elitism as um, a synonym for privilege or people that are wealthy in the top tax brackets who are um, able to have more resources and have access to, you know, 
more opportunities than, say, people who, in our definition, quote, less elite. Um, but we did want to just define the word elite according to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary while also providing a little bit of context for the way that we're using the word um, for this week's episode. So maybe Jackie and I will ping pong back and forth, but there are three definitions according to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. So one, elitism is leadership or rule by an elite. It is also the selectivity of the elite. And the consciousness of being or belonging to an elite. Um, And in my opinion, using the word elite to define elitism is sort of a catch-22 and just not helpful at all. Um, But being elite, quote-unquote, is someone who is super wealthy, has a lot of influence, um, is seen as someone who maybe doesn't necessarily have to work so hard to get, you know, certain things because they just have so many opportunities and so many doors already open for them just because of the privilege they already hold. You bring up such a good point. And along with talking about elitism and overall, just like, like Hannah said, three prongs that we're kind of going to touch on, we kind of also want to talk a little bit at the end of the episode and as just sort of a, a theme um, intertwined throughout the whole conversation, just how flawed in general the American dream is, because I think to so to, to so many, I mean, to the reputation, really, I mean, the American dream definition, it's just that the world, this country is filled with so many opportunities. And we really want to delve into how, like, no, this is not true. Um, there's not, like, a- equity here. Um, and it's, so many people, the upper class, the elite, have all of these opportunities um, kind of at at their, I guess, access. Um, but the lower classes and people just not of the elite often have to work so much harder just to be on the same level. Um, so diving right into academic elitism. So overall, we're just sort of talking about more attention and resource, the more attention and resources that are afforded to students who are deemed most intelligent um, at an early age. So I think just in general, there's just this constant, I mean, it really is like you could talk about academic elitism starting from an early age, and then that goes into um, healthcare, uh, sorry, not healthcare, um, elitism later in life, job opportunities, and um, healthcare um, access, and um, just in general, I feel like they all they all kind of cycle from one another. That's a really interesting point, Jackie. And something that I was talking about in my sociology class today is how there are four stages of development according to um, the sociologist Piaget, and he identifies that from age like seven to eleven, there's something called the concrete operational stage, and you gain so much knowledge in school. Um, that sort of sets you up for success in the rest of your life. So think about like those kids that were always pulled out in math class to go to the advanced math section and how now in high school they're taking AP Calculus BC and how, you know, that little little spot of like potential elitism or whoever's parents pushed to get them in that group and email the administration, like how much they are still being able to see that sort of um, you know, that that cycle that's been created. And I think that we see that on larger scales a lot in education, especially when it comes to like that sort of generational effect of, you know, having parents who graduated from, I mean, I have parents that graduated from with undergraduate degrees and graduate degrees. Um, and 
I think that also really sets me up for success and sets me up on this sort of like framework, this path to go to college um, and to go to university. And when we talk about academic elitism, Jackie and I are in, you know, that sort of uh, college application phase. So that's definitely where my mind goes to most. But um, we have so much as um, people that are financially, I'd say people that are financially privileged when it comes to college admissions and college applications, we have so many more opportunities that I wouldn't be able to have without this financial privilege, like the ability to take the ACT and SAT so many times, um, college counseling that's privatized and, you know, taking trips to visit different schools and yeah, it's just something that I've been reflect reflecting on a lot and it makes me very frustrated. Yeah, so building off of that, um, I really want to talk a little bit about tutors in general um, and also standardized testing, which is, you know, in, kind of interchangeable because in school, for example, um, I could take a really hard class. I could, I'm not saying I do, but I could take a really difficult class. And just because of my socioeconomic status, I have the access to a tutor, um, whether that's through my private high school or through, you know, independently. Um, and that is a luxury that is, that I've gotten just by, you know, by, because of, because of where I was born um, and who I was born to, um, kind of which, which class I, I was just born into. Um, additionally, I think the, I mean, this is a, this is kind of a, a trend, especially that was brought out during COVID um, when people really saw how um, detrimental this was to the lower classes and just everyone besides the elite classes. Standardized testing, especially for, I, I'm taking the SAT, um, but I know for, I think for, I'm sure for ACT too, everybody, not everybody, but so many people start with a very low score um, comparatively to other students so, or compared to a school's average. Um, so once you, I, so for example, I started with a fairly low score, um, a score that I probably wouldn't, couldn't have submitted to many schools or wouldn't have. Um, and because I have access to a tutor, um, my score has increased and any of uh, many people's, pretty much all of my friends have increased hundreds of points. That is significant. And that just having that tutor for however long, um, that amount of money goes a long way because once those scores get higher, um, even though it counts a little bit less now, just because a lot of schools are going test optional, but once those scores get higher in theory, you're more likely to get into these better schools. You're more likely to get a better or higher paying job. And then you're more likely to um, end up successful and have more opportunities kind of at, at your, at your like, you know, for, for at your access. So it, it really is like, it starts with like one little thing in, in, in the cycle that could be um, negatively impacts the low, the lower in, um, the lower classes just because of, you know, an unequitable society. And it really ends up being, could be life-changing. I'm not saying that this is the trajectory that everybody ends up on, but it's, you know, kind of like the, the theme. A hundred percent. And this really speaks to the greater sense of the cycle of poverty and looking at it in, in reverse. Um, the cycle of poverty really begins when a child is maybe born into a poorer family and these families 
often have limited access to different resources to create opportunities, or maybe they live in school districts that aren't as strong or aren't as well funded. Um, and so they're not able to advance themselves. And these leaves them stuck in this vicious cycle of the poverty trap. And I want to look at ways that we can make change and that we can um, you know, make a difference in this cycle. But I think one major step is just recognizing how much privilege we have. And in every step of the college application process, like I think my parents are kind of done with me, but I always complain. I'm like, they're like, oh, do you want to get a tutor for this? And the fact that I have the ability to say yes, like it, it's so frustrating. And I'm always like, no, absolutely not. I don't want a tutor just to like make a point and just to like say like, you should maybe, you know, consider, I don't know, what I tell them is to take that money and to donate it. No, I think you bring up a great point. And I'm, I'm not saying in any way that, you know, tutors are bad or, you know, that that the whole process is bad or, you know, whatever. But I'm just saying that in our country specifically, um, and I'm really, you know, like Hannah said, our eyes are like kind of right on the college process right now, but this is seen in so many different ways too. Um, I can name so many more examples, um, which I will go ahead and do so. Um, this, it's just that it's unequitable and it's just not fair. And so, for example, not again, um, the, just to apply, just to take the test, just to apply to schools costs money. So when it might be, I could be able, not that I would, but to apply to 30 schools, I'm not going to, but I could, um, that might not be, you know, available to so many people and you know that I have I'm given that many more opportunities that many more chances to get in um, while so many people have to work even harder to make sure that they get into those five schools um, so additionally I kind of want to talk about another maybe more I don't know maybe more relatable um, I grew up in the city obviously um, in New York City and so just to get into middle school or high school, you have to go through this whole process that, that, that can be very similar to a college process, um, just because admissions rates are low and um, people, there's so many people who want to get in. Um, and coming from so many, my sister, for example, and came from a public school and she, or so many people did not get into good public schools in the city and they were they were put into um, just sort of automatically put into public schools that did not have a good um, that were not given like the top education and maybe were a little maybe a little scary people came from you know maybe less less um, high-end neighborhoods for example um, and her as along uh, along with many of her peers had the opportunity, not all of them, but had the opportunity to go to private school or boarding school or Catholic school. And this is not just my sister, not to call anybody out, but this is just how the world works. Some people are given the opportunities to escape situations and others are not. And these going to a high school that's maybe not, not the best education or doesn't give as many resources maybe would lead to not going to a great college because you don't have the resources to get in. And again, it's that constant, it's that constant cycle that we keep seeing. A hundred percent. And I think it's very evident in 
academia, but it's also very evident in politics. Um, and when we look at our government, the disparity that we have representation and the way in which we are represented, I think is very, very unfair. Um, and something that I was learning about actually from TikTok, which is sometimes a very reputable source, um, but I was watching this woman who was who is running for Congress, and she is a Muslim woman of color, and she didn't realize how much money it takes to actually run a campaign and even have it be remotely successful. And so she is having to raise hundreds of thousands, even into the millions of dollars, just to be able to like try and win a seat. That's not even saying, you know, once you're in Congress, I mean, obviously, like, it's not, you know, privatized, like she won't have to pay for the changes that she's making. But to get into Congress, the amount of money that you have to spend, it's just so much more accessible to someone who's wealthy, or especially like born into wealth, than someone who's trying to make it on their own, or just trying to get out there and succeed. And so I think this is why we see, you know, such a lack of representation, and it's getting better over the years. But I don't, I don't think Congress is currently representational of what American society and what our demographics are are actually like. And why is it that the people representing us in Congress are always wealthy? Like that doesn't, you know, or are better off than like I am. And I consider myself to be upper middle class. Like it, it's just not fair. And it's and it's it's really frustrating. And I can't even imagine what it's like for someone who is in um, you know, the lower class and just looking at Congress and just feeling completely not heard and just not advocated for. Um, and I recognize, I mean, I'm taking macroeconomics, like why we have to raise taxes and things, but um, especially when we're taxing, you know, not proportional to wealth, that just doesn't make sense to me either. For sure. And when you talk about that, I really think of, for example, somebody like Trump or because um, I love throwing Trump under the bus, um, but somebody like him, um, it is significantly easier for him, um, a wealthy white man, to get to um, have to get the money, um, whether he's raising it or spending it out of pocket, um, to get the money for a campaign to raise the money for a campaign than it is from somebody who's born into maybe lower or even middle class, um, lower middle class, for example, or wh wherever to raise that amount of money and ultimately have um, get those same opportunities. So actually, just the other day, um, President Biden proposed a, a billionaire minimum income tax. Um, with just the idea that billionaires shouldn't pay a lower tax rate than working Americans. And I know that this is something that comes to mind so often when we hear like what kind of what Hannah said, um, when we hear about how much these multimillionaires or billionaires are paying taxes, especially compared to, you know, working Americans and, and everybody else, um, how it's the same amount, if not less. And that is just it's so unfair. But I think what I really want to highlight there, and, and I'm also just saying that it is not impossible by any means for somebody born in a lower class to make it up to a higher class. It is just much harder for somebody to do that than somebody born in an upper class to um, live their adulthood in upper class. So 
this is just something that I feel like has been on my mind a lot recently. And it's something that I'm glad is really, you know, coming forth um, with that Biden is really putting on his forefront. But um, I just think that it's important to, to recognize this inequity in our country and realize that, you know, this is a problem and it's just something that we need to recognize, whether it's recognizing our own privilege or recognizing, you know, the privilege in, in others or in specific classes. Yeah, uh, definitely. And even more so when we're, when we're looking at how our legislators draft bills, um, they do a lot of the like, I'll scratch your back if you scratch my back thing with the pork barreling and the earmarks. And it's really tied to political action committees and super PACs and how they're able to lobby um, their interest groups with so much money and lobby Congress so hard. Um, and it just shows that like if I wanted to go and I wanted to contact my legislator and say like, these are the changes that you should be making, that they're probably not gonna listen to me unless they have a boatload of money um you know to offer them and i just don't and i the average american doesn't and so as much as our phone calls and our texts and our emails do make waves of change um you know it the waves of change are not really being made specifically just by my email it's being made by the hundreds of thousands of dollars that you know the first pack that comes to my mind is apac the american israel political action committee how much money they're just pumping into campaigns and pumping um, you know, onto Capitol Hill. And it's it's just really not fair. Um, and Jackie and I are talking a lot about this concept of fair and just and what equality really means. And I don't really have a concrete definition, but it's something that I'm constantly thinking about, this concept of what is fair. But I know that for a fact, the way that we draft our legislation and the way that people are heard and um, able to receive representation, that is not fair. That yes, and I actually just want to highlight quickly the definite the the difference between equality and equity because I noticed that we've kind of been throwing around the term equity a lot um, and equality too, um, but they're very they're 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 similar but also different um, in major ways. So I'll just read out this this definition. Equality means each individual or group of people is given the same resources or opportunities. Equity recognizes that each person has different circumstances and allocates the exact resources and opportunities needed to reach an equal outcome. So that's something that I want to keep in mind because equality in our when I'm thinking of, you know, everybody paying the same taxes would be equality, for example. Um, but equity is if you make more money, you pay higher taxes. If you don't make that much money, um, you you pay much lower taxes um, because that's that's equitable, that's fair. Um, and sometimes equity, it, like in that example, equity is very straightforward. And when when we, I'm sure if I were to say that example, that's just you know that everyone would just think that's that's equal and in, in morality. But um, really, that is equity. So that's something to keep in mind and also and I think that's just something that that we're talking about this entire episode which I love talking about because I think it's just it's so important and, and it's kind of intertwined through through really any element of social justice and any really any entity um so we also want to talk a little bit about 
um, elitism in healthcare and talk a little bit about the correlation between socioeconomic status and health. So Hannah, do you wanna talk a little bit about that? I would love to. And we talk about this a lot in the podcast. I think we have a few episodes dedicated solely to healthcare and the healthcare system and how broken it is. And you guys know, because I bring it up almost every episode that when my eighth grade like focus project um, my essential question was, what is the correlation between socioeconomic status and health? And in short terms, it is, there is a very, very high correlation. And we see that people who have more money are getting better access to better healthcare, are able to have elective surgeries um, that improve their quality of life. Even just like something that I didn't even think about was even within the LGBTQ plus community, um, people that are getting gender affirming surgery are generally more wealthy, um, maybe a little bit better off and have more support from family and are out to more people in their community. Um, And that is also very frustrating to see that people aren't able to get the surgeries that reflect who they are. Um, And there's also a lot of different types of diseases and health problems is a huge range of them. Um, that are associated with a lower socioeconomic status. Oh, and socioeconomic status refers to different people's economic access to resources um, that's correlated to their social position, sort of in related to other ways. So how your race, your age, your social class, um, all of these different things affect them as a person, your uh, education level, your parents' occupational like prestige, all these things. Um, And so some things that studies are showing is that um, health problems include a low birth weight, cardiovascular disease, hypertension, arthritis, diabetes, cancer, shorter life expectancy, worse mental health, higher mortality rate, um, and just worse health behaviors in general for people that are in lower socioeconomic statuses. And especially mental health, it makes me think about um, you know, how resources are often targeted to to the wealthy and what we can be doing to change that. This is such a good point. And honestly, just hearing you say that makes me think of so many examples that I've just witnessed in my life. Um, and honestly, I feel like I, I could talk about this topic for hours because I just feel like there is so many, um, there's just so many levels. Um, and I think in when I think of it, it really comes down to not only generational effects, like you kind of talked about, like, um, like lower birth weight, for example, um, but also access, you know, for example, somebody born in, um, a less, a, a, a a town or an area of a city with a lower, um, average socio, a lower average income wage, with worse um, like hospitals and overall healthcare system systems in neighborhoods, people are just overall set up worse. Um, and I think also um, there's just this whole, I think there's also this whole elitism in food. Also, I'm thinking of how fast food and um, maybe sugary foods and juices and sodas in bulk are maybe more are cheaper or less expensive um, or more accessible um, than healthier foods. And there was this big, when I was um, in elementary school, I went to a public elementary school in Manhattan and there was this big move to make the school lunches healthier because this was a big problem in, um, in for some families. And there's this whole thing because then you have um, 
childhood obesity, you have less access to um, like gyms or workout facilities and, and people aren't given, people aren't being educated on how to take care of themselves and what's good to put into their bodies and, and just overall how to, how to set themselves up for success. And this is just so many, like this can go in so many different directions, but overall, um, I think that's really, really, really prevalent. Lastly, I just want to say that there's also this whole, um, there can, in some neighborhoods, drugs can be very accessible. Um, and when, and this, and so, and so can other addictions like lottery tickets, for example, because I remember I went on a vacation and we had this lovely, lovely, lovely taxi cab driver. Um, and he was, I remember him, he was, he was so kind, but he, we stopped, we were going on this two hour um, drive and he stopped, I think twice to buy lottery tickets because he was, he came from a lower, a lower um, class and he, it was just part of their culture that they would spend their extra few dollars on a lottery ticket because they would spend that money and one day it would pay off and they'd, they'd win hundreds of thousands or millions or whatever. Um, and it's just, I, it stuck with me because it just, it's just, it's just, it's just so, so sad. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up, Jackie. And it just speaks to so many, so many other, so many other um, experiences like this that we could highlight. And I think we should do a part two of this episode um, because my mind is sort of, you know, as, as we keep talking, just like, realizing how many more scenarios and situations there are where this is very prevalent. Um, so thank you for filling that up. And we really need to be uh, focusing our, you know, our generation, especially, we need to be focusing on creating opportunities and creating resources to support different classes. And we need to get better at recognizing that everyone's human and doing a better job at, at, um, at creating a fairer future and creating a future where it's not, you know, society and the American dream isn't just run on, on the wealthy and run on, run on those in power, but run by the people for the people. Um, I think that should be the goal and we need to be refocusing ourselves, not just in politics, but in so many, so many different scenarios um, that should really be the focus. for this week's episode of Dive Right In with Jackie and Hannah. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on Instagram at Dive Right In Podcast, as well as our website, www.diverightinpodcast.weebly.com. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen, and you can leave any additional feedback at diverightinpodcast.gmail.com. And you just... Dove right in. <laughs>